Hello and welcome to episode 262 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. We just went team by team through the NFC. Today, we will be going team by team through the AFC Week 5 Fantasy Fallout. Evan, how's it going? It's going well. Before we get into it, two things. First, NBA is coming in one week. Head to the subscribe page. We have two separate products. One for DFS, another for props. You can bundle both together if you so wish. NBA fantasy really is a great, great, great game. Slates every single day. It's the best. Second, this show is brought to you by our friends at prizepicks.com. Props market is up and running, and it's awesome. I know a lot of people don't have access to legal player props because you're in New York or California or Texas or a bunch of other states that don't have regulated sports betting. PrizePix is legal and regulated there. If you want to give Prize Picks a try this week, they have a 100% instant deposit bonus up to $100. Use promo code ETR at PrizePicks to get the best deal or use the link in the show notes. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com for the instant deposit bonus and best deal. All right, let's get into it here with the AFC. Evan, Baltimore played on Monday night football. So many island games already for the Ravens this year. And this one, it was looking really bad for the Ravens. They come storming back. And Lamar, I mean, the narrative in Lamar is he can't play from behind. They get down by 20. The Ravens are dead. I mean, they came storming back last night. Lamar goes absolutely nuclear. Small note, Tyson Williams was active over Le'Veon Bell in this game. Doesn't really matter too much, though, as really Tyson is well behind. Latavius Murray, what do you see out of the Ravens comeback overtime win? Yeah, again, Lamar Jackson just has this team on its on his back right now. I mean, first of all, I was trying to get like an in-game bet on the Ravens to come back. You just I don't know what happened. I, I didn't get it in. And uh that was really tilting to not get that in. But uh Lamar Jackson has put this team on his back. Uh, the defense is not nearly as good as it has been in past years. Their offensive line, uh, and even you know much of their uh, their their skill position unit has been ravaged by injuries. They have the worst running game in Baltimore, like in in years. Uh, and Lamar Jackson is out here balling. I know that you know he's had like some fumbles and he's made some miscues. He's got three interceptions through five games, but they they would there's no way that they would be four and one without him. Put some respect on this dude. He is playing nine point one yards per pass attempt. And people call him a running back on the internet. That is outright disrespectful. Um, I think that I was looking at MVP odds. Maybe maybe I could get him at like twenty to one. He's twelve to one on DK right now. Uh, one of the the top seven or eight guys. I think he should be one of the top three or four guys. He has been playing that well as a passer, and of course, he's always got that uh, that dynamic running ability in his back pocket. But that was an awesome comeback. Oh, man, some of these primetime games have just been sensational so far this year. Yeah, and um, should be getting Rashad Bateman back soon mm-hmm. as well. I mean, we saw obviously we saw the big games from Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. That's typically going to be what happens when Lamar has big passing games. Mm-hmm. Bills. I mean, how good is this Bills team, man? And, you know, not only did they thrash the Chiefs, but look at the schedule they have coming up. And the reason I'm noting there's – their upcoming schedule because Zach Moss is clearly the preferred back they have when they're winning. Uh, they love using Zach Moss over Singletary when they're winning. Titans, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Colts coming up next. 
for the Bills. And so I don't like playing Bills running backs, but Zach Moss is going to profile pretty well in games where they're getting 20, 25 point leads and they're going to score four, five, six touchdowns in a game. What do you see out of the Bills win over the Chiefs? Well, I think it was a big test for them because the quality of their defense, their defensive metrics were really good in the first four games, but the quality of their defense was questionable because of the strength of their opponents. They played some weak, weak ass offenses in the first month. Um, and so now they face Kansas city. They really take care of business. I've been skeptical, skeptical to say the least uh, of Zach Moss and really any of the bills running backs like you, but as you mentioned, the schedule, how well their defense is playing, you know, how well their offense is playing to put them in situations where they're going to be playing in run friendly scripts Zach Moss looks like a pretty good option, you know, maybe an every week RB2 going forward. Cincinnati Bengals got T. Higgins back, first game back after missing two games with a shoulder issue. His usage was good. I mean, 36 routes on 44 Joe Burrow dropbacks, 18% target share is pretty good, but only 5-32-0. I mean, Jamar Chase is clearly the big play guy still. I mean, T. Higgins is a baller. It's just, it's hard to pick which guys out of the three to play each week Tyler Boyd's still gonna have some big games I think T's gonna have some big games and obviously Jamar Chase is an absolute baller other note on Cincinnati I had is this Joe Mixon thing you know I wish they would just sat him down but instead of sitting Joe Mixon down they just didn't play him on passing downs and that's really what they've been doing for the last few weeks even before the ankle injury Joe Mixon has six targets over the last four games only a five percent share so it's going to be hard for Joe Mixon until he gets healthy and even when he is healthy it's gonna be hard without a clear pass down role for Joe Mixon to really get to a huge ceiling what you see out of the Bengals kind of wild game against the Packers yeah it was kind of strange to see him in there as like Samaje Pirine's like change of pace back yes yeah. I mean it, it was weird that they played him I mean he didn't practice all week he had the Saturday workout I don't know, just let the guy get healthy you know I, I, don't, I don't understand it Browns David Njoku broke out man in a big way mm-hmm. but his usage isn't really all that different. I mean, all year he's been right around 50% of routes per dropback. So, you know, he ran 21 routes on 38 Baker dropbacks in this game. That's kind of where it's been. The difference was the game went absolutely wild. I mean, 90 points were scored in the game. Baker finally had a good game. It's amazing that in this game, Odell still shit the bed. Like, there's just something off with Odell and Baker. It's been like that since he got to Cleveland. It just does not feel like they click whatsoever i'm like humiliated that i played odell in cash in week four i mean that was just absolutely egregious i should have given all that kia money to uh dink's uh charity instead but anyways are you buying david and joku's breakout and what anything else on the browns i mean we've always known that david and joku is like one of the most explosive tight ends in football that you know that's that's been the case for a long time it's just that he's been error prone he came into the league super young and like pretty raw and you know, he had to just kind of learn how to block and, you know, all this to earn the trust of the coaches and, you know, typical like young tight end, maybe overdrafted a little bit stuff. Um, and, but we always knew that he had potential to have just monster games. And now we see it. The thing is that he's a role player in Cleveland, you know, and I don't think that that's going to change. They're going to continue to play Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, they spread the ball around like no other team in the league. I mean, they throw passes to Demetric Felton. 
you know, DPJ, OBJ, like there's, there's just, you know, they have a, a, a dominant rushing attack, which just went absolutely, absolutely berserk against the Chargers, Nick Chubb in particular. Um, so it's just, it's going to be almost impossible for him to maintain consistency. Uh, I'm sure he'll be picked up and then he'll, you know, go two for 14 next week and then drop. And, you know, that's just kind of how it's going to go probably in, in all likelihood. Yeah, I would not bid a lot of fab on David Njoku at all, uh, in my opinion. And not just is he rotating a lot, but also when this team is playing well, when they play how they want to play, their pass rate over expectation is like among the lowest in the league. Like they just don't want Baker throwing a ton. Let's go to Denver Broncos. I was worried about Corton Sutton's ankle, man. I thought that Corton Sutton mm-hmm. was legit banged up, a legit game time decision. He gives it a go, and Corton Sutton has another huge game. I mean, without Jerry Judy out there, without KJ Hamler, Corlin Sutton can have absolutely massive games. That's what we saw on Sunday. This was kind of a spot that we thought Pittsburgh would come in and play well, and they did. What did you see out of the Broncos? Not a whole lot to add to that. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a great offensive environment for box score production, but you're right. You know, Cortland Sutton, he's number two in the NFL in air yards right now, and he just doesn't have a whole lot of target competition. Uh, I was very surprised that Noah Fant did not have more involvement here. No Albert O, no Hamler, no Judy, um, I don't know when Judy comes back though. And, you know, the coming back from high ankle sprains is like, is never a given, but uh, when he comes back, he should jump into a lot of opportunity. For sure. Well, we've reached the part of the weekly program where I don't really know what to say because we're up to the Houston Texans and they, they should have won this game. I mean, they, they, they outplayed the new England Patriots somehow Chris Moore and Chris Conley make good plays. I'm kind of ready to write it off as a blip on the radar, I obviously don't have a lot to say, as I never do, about the Texans. Anything from you on the Texans' near win over the Patriots? I I couldn't believe how well Davis Mills played in this game. After what we had seen from him to that point, and then based on what we had seen from the Patriots' pass defense up until that point, it was almost like maybe the Patriots like overlooked the Texans to some extent. Um you know, it's just I, I, I have no answers for this, uh, but I, I will say I'll, shout out to David Culley. He's got the Texans playing hard still. Yeah. And it was a bit of a hangover spot for the Patriots. They had like the Brady yeah. Bowl just one week earlier. And so a bit of a hangover for them. Um, Colts. I, I thought maybe there was a chance that Moali Cox has been playing so well. And maybe that the, the Colts coaches saw the PSM and they would give Mo Cox a bigger role. I mean, in that game last night, Mo Cox only ran 14 routes. Jack Doyle ran 19. Granston ran six. So it's frustrating Mo Cox, man. I think he really could explode if Jack Doyle ever got hurt. Other frustrating part about the Colts is Marlon Mack is playing, you know, too much. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is just an absolute freak. But Marlon Mack is playing way, way, way too much it's scary but Jonathan Taylor keeps making big plays in the fantasy box score what did you see out of the Colts last night yeah I think Marlon Mack I mean I think that they want to play him because I, th- I do think they want to trade him I mean there's been a lot of trade rumors uh, uh surrounding him uh, involving Kansas City that'd be a fun landing spot uh, mm-hmm. for Marlon Mack um but yeah I mean it's kind of frustrating for now that he's taken away you know when you got Jonathan Taylor and Marlon, you know, all of a sudden you see, you look up and a Colts running back is making a big play and it's freaking Marlon Mack. You know, that it's like that, that kind of sucks. But uh, Michael Pittman, 
uh, playing at a, it. Looks, looks like he's, you know, he's a keeper. Um, this was Carson Wentz's best game of the season. I don't know if we can expect that to, you know, carry over into future weeks, but he did play pretty well in this one. Um, the, the Colts gave the, the Ravens a, a run, but Lamar was just too much. Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the LaVisca owners uh, are in shambles right now. Evan LaVisca only 28 routes on 43 dropbacks, even though DJ Chark was out only a 9% target share for LaVisca with DJ Chark out. I mean, Jamal Agnew and Tavon Austin are out there earning targets. And so it's hard for me to believe that you can't scheme some stuff. Let's forget about for a second. If you think LaVisca Chenault isn't that good down the field, you can't scheme short area stuff with no ETN. With no DJ Chark to LaVisca Chenault, it just absolutely makes no sense to me. On the other side of the coin, Dan Arnold's usage looked really, really good. And I think people who maybe missed out on Ricky Seals-Jones have a shot at Dan Arnold this week. I wouldn't be excited about it, but they did make a trade for Dan Arnold. He's an athletic guy. And if they're not going to use Chenault in kind of that middle field short area, maybe they're willing to use Dan Arnold more there. What do you think about Arnold as a pickup and anything to say to the Chenault owners? Yeah, I think Dan Arnold's definitely a pickup, you know, because we noticed and noted that three days after the Jaguars traded him, leading into that Thursday night game, he led all their tight ends in routes run. And then, you know, they get the kind of long break, the, the mini buy. And, I mean, he's like almost like an every down player. 73% of the snaps, he leads the team in targets, catches, and receiving yards. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a pickup. And I'd right away think about playing him over big Bob Tanya. Um LaVisca Chenault, it's, it's depressing because you see what he can do. He had a, just an incredible 58-yard catch and run where he just ran around, through, over uh, the entire secondary. You know, you see what he can do, and you wish that the Jaguars would get him to rock more, and, you know, it's just it's, it's not happening right now. I, I'm, I'm sticking with him, though, because I, I like betting on talent. Um, as, you know, usage is more important, but – over the course of time, talent should earn that usage. And that's what I'm betting on with LaVisca Chenault. It's just, you know, it's, it's dicey right now to try to use him in fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to drop LaVisca Chenault. I would not drop him in any type of deeper bench or even regular bench format. But yeah, it's tough. Chiefs. So one of the big injuries of the week was Clyde Edwards-Alaire MCL sprain. Sounds like, I don't know one, two, three, four weeks, something like that for CEH. We saw in the immediate wake of CEH's injury, Daryl Williams, the mentor, comes in, out-touches Jerick McKinnon 5-1. to one. Overall, 37-27, to 27, Daryl ahead of McKinnon in snaps. They might bring someone in, though. I mean, I think they just signed Elijah McGuire. As we're recording this, they signed Elijah McGuire to the practice squad. As you noted, they've had rumors around Marlon Mack. There's some other dusty running backs out there. Do you think they're going to ride... Darrell Williams going forward. I'm kind of curious what he could do with 15 or 20 touches. The problem is they weren't even giving CEH that role, really. So I don't know. What do you think about the Chiefs' backfield without CEH? Yeah, in the first four games, CEH had eight combined targets. So, I mean, they have just not been thrown to their running backs. Patrick Mahomes is trying to make plays downfield. I understand it. But from a fantasy standpoint, that's uh, that has a limiting effect on what you can do. Um, Darrell Williams can pass block. They trust him in that respect. We've seen him, you know, play a lot of snaps in, in previous. I mean, in the Super Bowl, he played 55% of the Chiefs' offensive snaps, um, but they don't they don't really feed him the rock. So, I mean, obviously, he's worth picking up playing one of the, in one of the better offenses in the league. 
Um, but yeah, I, I do think that they, they're probably going to make a move for someone. Their offensive line revamp has been a major disappointment. You remember back on the show when we brought on Brandon Thorne in, I don't know, August, whatever it was, July, all those months mixed, mixed together. At this point, we talked about how Orlando Brown might be kind of stretched as the Chiefs left tackle after playing in one of the easiest offensive line systems to play in in Baltimore as a right tackle where they use a ton of like three tight end sets and, you know, they're getting help all the time. And there was a reason that Orlando Brown was a late second round pick and not a first rounder because he wasn't a very good athlete. And now he's kind of getting exposed on Patrick Mahomes blind side. And the rest of the offensive line has just not performed up to, you know, the expectations that were had when they pumped a ton of resources and draft picks and, and all this into it. And it's been a problem. The defense is absolute garbage. That's why you see these combination of factors. This, that's why you see the Chiefs getting out to a slow start. With that said, this is a 17-game season. We've only played five. Patrick Mahomes down to 18-1 to one to win MVP, you know, I, I'm sure you could get pretty good odds on the Chiefs Super Bowl as well. This might be a time to buy. By the way, Josh Gordon, I know people were excited. He was like massively owned in showdown somehow. He only played nine snaps in this game. It's just hard for me to see Josh Gordon carving out a real role here on this team, but we are tracking it for sure. All right, Las Vegas, John Gruden is out as coach as emails surfaced. Rich Basaccia is in, 61-year-old special teams coach. I honestly don't know anything about Rich Basaccia. However, as a 61-year-old career special teams coach, I don't think we can be overly optimistic that he's going to suddenly put in some creative scheme. I guess we'll start there. I do want to talk about Josh Jacobs in a second, but what do you think will happen now with Gruden out? Any changes from a fantasy perspective with Gruden gone? Yeah, well, you remember they got off to a 3-0 start. Two of their wins were in overtime. The other one was against the Steelers, who, you know, probably just aren't, aren't very good, maybe a 500 team. Um, and they've kind of gotten exposed in the two weeks since as just not being a, a very good team. Uh, and this is what – I feel like this happens every freaking year with the Raiders, that they, they start hot. You know, everybody's apologizing on Twitter to John Gruden. You know, I mean, now, now he's apologizing. Um, but you know, it's just, they, they're, they're like kind of like a fraudulent team year in and year out. I, I don't, I don't, I feel like their, their season is just like crumbling right now. And I, I don't see how there, there could be any positive effect of, you know, of just the, the organizational dysfunction, just continued organizational dysfunction, um, that, that I don't, you know, sometimes in the past, like you'll, you'll see a coach get fired and then there'll be like a slight bump. I don't, I don't really that's, – that's tough to envision, I think, for the Raiders right now. They're, yeah. they're in a real yeah. – yeah. No, agreed. I don't think you get the new coach bump here at mm -hmm. all. I, I would note, though, on Josh Jacobs' pass game role. So Josh Jacobs' last two games, 42 routes on 86 card dropbacks and a 14.5% target share for Josh Jacobs. I mean, that's really good for a running back, especially one who we thought would be a zero in the past game. So, yeah, they signed Kane Drake for $11 million. Yeah, Peyton Barber has been out. But still, I just want to note that there is a little bit of pass game upside – for Josh Jacobs here, and obviously he has the base and goal line role locked up. Chargers. Speaking of goal line role, I mean, 
It killed me on Sunday, but Austin Eckler continues to get touches inside the five. On the season now, Austin Eckler has four carries from inside the five-yard line. Larry Roundtree has one. Justin Jackson, zero. Josh Kelly, zero. I mean, they are not hesitating. So the role is outrageous. And I actually think there's room to grow in Austin Eckler's pass game share. Like, it's only around 12%. I mean, he could easily get up 14, 15, 16%. And he has the goal line role. Also, another touchdown for Donald Big Dick Parham. I mean, it is an absolute crime against humanity to not give Donald Parham more snaps every time he's out there. He's just scoring touchdowns. What do you see out of the Chargers wild game against the Browns? Yeah, and Donald Parham's playing a lot. His his route to, it's weird. He got him out of there like as a blocker. It, it, it's it's strange. Um, it, and it's funny, like after he scored his touchdown, he's like celebrating with Mike Williams and they, they start walking away. Mike Williams is like not a small dude. You know, he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, Parham's got like half of a head over Mike Williams, you know, like this dude is just an incredible specimen and he absolutely belongs in the NFL. Um, I think in tight end premium, like he'd be a fun stash, you know, in in a deeper bench tight end premium. I don't think you can really have him anywhere else, but you know, something were to happen to cook or suddenly we see a role change, um, you know, in terms of his routes run again, he's playing a lot. Like they know that he can play. So, you know, that, that, I think that tells you something. But, yeah, Austin Eckler has been a stud. He's the number two overall RB in fantasy behind only the big dog. Um, and I, I think he, he should stay hot. This offense is, is killing it. This is one of these teams that they're doing everything right. Um, you know, they're, they're maximizing, they're optimizing everything. Um, and it's, it's been a pleasure to watch. Dip, much different feel about this Chargers as to in, in past years. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins and Miles Gaskin pops up for a huge game. I'm always wary of reading too much into these Tampa Bay games because teams get so far out of their comfort zone. I mean, Dolphins didn't even try to run. So Miles Gaskin gets out there, he catches 10 balls. Two of them happen to go for touchdowns for Miles Gaskin. You know, I think Mike Miles Gaskin is okay. He's clearly their best pass down back. I'm just hesitant to go too far overboard with it because it's against the Bucks. I also wanted to note Jalen Waddell because I'm a little bit tilted. I played Jalen Waddell in cash. I mean, I had a good week in cash, but Jalen Waddell, like, I mean, no Will Fuller, no Devontae Parker. The problem with spending trading up, the problem with trading up for the sixth overall pick for a dude who's 5'10", 180, is like, it's hard for them to be load-bearing wideouts. Like, can you rely on Jalen Waddell to soak up 8, 10 targets and get him down the field? I don't know, man. I, I've been down on this pick. I, I know that Evan disagreed. I just thought that trading up for a 180-pound dude and thinking you have the next Tyree Kill or whatever is a mistake in the NFL draft. But anyways, I'm getting too far out of my lane here. What would you see out of the Dolphins' loss to the Bucks? No, I mean, I, I didn't think it was a great pick or anything. I mean, we fucking nailed it, though, uh, with our draft props. So I, I yeah. liked it from that <laughs> angle. Um, but no, I mean, it's... <clears throat> You know, they also have their backup quarterback in there. They've got three offensive coordinators. You know, it's just this has been a very disappointing season for the Dolphins um, after they showed a lot of promise last year. Uh, they, they've taken a major step back in, in several categories. Uh, their offensive line, like they, they have a lot of young picks on the offensive line and some high picks. And, and these guys are and it's not coming together. You know, Austin Jackson was a first-round pick. Leon Eichenberg was, you know, a pretty high second-round pick. Robert Hunt was um, a second-round pick. And it's just – it's not clicking for the offensive line. They, they're they not making plays downfield with Jacoby Brissett. You know, they play 
three running backs. I know that Gaskin had the good game this past week. That's not an indicate, not necessarily an indication of what's going to happen next week. It's just, it's a nightmare situation for fantasy. And from a team standpoint, like I, I, I didn't see them taking this big of a step back. I mean, I, I knew that that was in their, I knew that them, them being not as good as last year was in their range of potential outcomes, but them all of a sudden becoming like a bottom five team. I, I didn't see that. New England Patriots, as we mentioned before, had the hangover from the Brady Bowl, almost lose to the Houston Texans. Damian Harris looked like he banged up his ribs or like chest or something to me a little bit. But still, I mean, they got Ramondre in there over J.J. Taylor. Ramondre gets 11 carries. Damian Harris got 14 carries. And by the way, like I'm not here to question Bill Belichick or whatever, but we said it at the time that like the way they spent the players they spent all that money on in free agency just seemed crazy to me. Like Janu, six routes on 33 Mac dropbacks. Janu's been horrible. You know, Bourne and Aguilar. Like, uh, they're like borderline NFL starting wide receivers to me. Hunter Henry is fine. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this spending spree, I don't think is going to make a difference at all. And it might even be negative for the Patriots. But, anyways, you mentioned Ramondre earlier that you would like to add him over someone like Trey Sermon. What do you think about the backfield right now and anything else on the Patriots? Yeah, well, Damian Harris, he left at two different points, once with a chest injury, once with a rib injury, and he lost a fumble at the goal line. Now, they went back to him after he lost the fumble. Um, but, you know, that's it, it, I, I think that this is a situation. It's a week-to-week's backfield. And Ramondre Stevenson didn't do a whole lot on his opportunities this past week, but Damian Harris is out there getting hurt and giving the ball to the other team and that's not things that's not those are not things that are going to sit well with the coaching staff in New England. So Ramondre Stevenson is just a guy that you put at the end of your bench and you see what happens because we saw what he could do in the preseason. Um, he can play in the passing game too. Um, he did not fumble this past week. Everybody's been fumbling in New England. Like JJ Taylor fumbled. Damian Harris has fumbled a few times. Ramondre fumbled in week one. You know, and that's going to make it, it – it's like a wide-open situation in terms of, for, you know, allocating playing time going forward. Uh, but Brandon Bolden is entrenched as the super poor man's version of James White. I mean, he's playing a lot of snaps you know, in passing situations. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers who suffered a key injury. Juju Smith-Schuster looks like he's going to be done for the season, the slot man. And, you know, they have some options. You know, James Washington's been hurt. I'm not sure his status exactly. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod has played in the slot for them some. But I do think that maybe, maybe they go with more two tight end sets because Friermuth's been playing pretty well. And they have Ebron and they have Claypool and they have Deontay. And that's pretty good, man. And so I'm excited for Chase Claypool specifically because dude breaks the PSM. I mean, just an absolute playmaker deep down the field is Chase Claypool. I'm excited for his opportunities going forward. Like if I had Chase Claypool right now, I'd be excited in the wake of this injury. I also think if you're really desperate at tight end, maybe you can make a Fryermuth ad. Maybe you can make an Ebron ad and see what happens there if they start using those guys more with Juju out. What do you think the fallout is from Juju's injury and anything else on the Steelers? If they go with more two tight end sets, I mean, I think that that would make some sense. They also have this third tight end, Zach Gentry, who I think they like as like a possession receiver and as a blocker. He's had some big blocks so far this year. So that gives them another option if they do want to kind of tweak their offense. I don't know if they will because, you know, Ben makes the decisions and he doesn't want anything new around him. You know, he doesn't want anybody shifting before the the snap of the ball, you know, it takes away from his concentration. So 
I, I don't know. Well, they'll probably just do what they always do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they could use Deontay Johnson in the slot a, a bunch more. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to kind of see, you know, at the end of the day, like I think it's still going to be a pretty mundane offense. They just have problems on the offensive line and, you know, a quarterback that you know, did, did play all right this last game, but, you know, over the course of time, I think that he's, he's probably going to be who we thought he was at the end of last year and at the beginning of this year. All right. Last team in the AFC we are going to do here today is the Tennessee Titans. Oh, I know, you know people... not that we, not that, you know, I really want to talk about the Jets, but we did skip them. Oh, wow. Egregious on my behalf. Yes, the Jets. <laughs> my, my note on the Jets is it's Elijah Moore situation. Because, I mean, Elijah Moore was like the talk of the offseason. Like, people were, like, so excited about Elijah Moore. He's been out here now, and he hasn't had a lot of target competition. He's missed a game. But now he's, like, rotating with Keelan Cole. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, his catch rate is really bad. His targets mm-hmm. per route run is really bad. It looks really bad for Elijah Moore. They are getting Michael Carter into somewhat of a lead back role and using Tevin and Ty Johnson a little bit less but yeah it just kind of is what it is on the Jets they head into their bye after the London game what do you have on the Jets yeah I actually I I, I thought about not saying anything about us skipping them because I really don't have <laughs> anything to say about them I mean you know Zach Wilson just kind of is like he, everything he does all the good plays that he makes are like way outside of structure and he's got to learn to play within structure if he's going to con- be a consistent quarterback he's got nine interceptions through five games, only averaging 223 passing yards. And if you're looking for reasons why, you know, we can't get any consistency out of Corey Davis or any of these other guys, Crowder will pop up one week and then do nothing the next week. Um, it's because they're, they're just not, not, a whole, not, not a whole lot of production in the passing game to begin with to be distributed uh, between these guys. All right. Last team is the Tennessee Titans. You know, I know people are worried about A.J. Brown. I, I thought A.J. Brown's usage was really good in this game where he comes back from the hamstring injury, he runs a route on 24 out of 27 Ryan Tannehill dropbacks. He only got six targets, but that was a 27% share. They just didn't throw, throw the ball at all. However, upcoming schedule for the Titans, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, the next four games. They're going to need A.J. Brown. They're going to need A.J. Brown in a big way coming up, and it's unlikely that Derrick Henry is going to be able to sustain 25 or 30 carries a game in those spots. Again, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams. So I think we need to be careful about how we're thinking about the Titans here because the schedule change is so, so, so drastic going from these dust balls they've been playing to now playing some of the best teams in the league. Anything for you on the Titans? Well, I've seen like questions like, you know, Derrick Derrick Henry is on pace for 531 touches. You know, it. Do you, do you like consider selling high on Derrick Henry because you don't think he can sustain this workload? Here's the thing: Derrick Henry, whether it be at Alabama or in the NFL, has always gotten a shit ton of volume. At the beginning of his NFL career, he didn't, but that was just because the coaches were stupid. But for the last you know three years, he's been getting a shit ton of volume. He never gets hurt, mm-hmm. so he didn't get hurt in college. I don't think he's ever. There was one training camp where he like had a boot on his foot for like two or three weeks. But I mean, he didn't even practice in training camp anyways. He was like did individual drills for all of training camp this year. So he just he never gets hurt. So the answer is no. You just let him keep winning you weeks. He might get hurt at some point like that. You know, that's the reality of the game. But no, you, you, you just keep taking the points and you don't overthink it. Um, 
you, you just ride Derrick Henry. Yeah, I will say I do think that in these games against like the Bills and Chiefs, his carrier projection, his touch projection is going to go down. Mm-hmm. Like we we had him projected for like 26, 27 carries. Like I guarantee you we won't have that when he faces the Bills and the Chiefs. But yeah, obviously like I'm not But the sure. saving grace is that he's been playing in the passing yeah. game. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, I, I, this was the year that I faded the big dog. And this was, uh, this looks like the year, the exact year not to fade. The big we'll dog, see. Unfortunately. Uh, I'd also note Darrington we'll Evans. It's, it's a long season, but yeah. Yeah, and Darrington Evans, uh, not that it makes a big difference, but it looks like Darrington Evans could come off IR at any point here. All right, that is going to do it for this AFC Team by Team podcast. Don't forget, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, helps us a lot. We'd appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, on YouTube, wherever you are watching. It's free. For Evan. For Producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm